Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today we are joined by Oliver Bernhardt and Andreas David Brunner. Oliver is the principal scientist in bioinformatics at Bionosis, a company known for their DIA proteomics software. Andreas is a postdoctoral researcher at the Matthias Mann Lab at the Max Planck Institute of Biochemistry. They're here with us to speak about how data-independent acquisition has become the method of choice for large-scale proteomics. Let's jump in. So first one is for Andreas. So for the single cell proteomics, did you benchmark different cell types? Because, you know, cells are different in size, have different amounts of protein in them, I guess. So yeah, are there differences? Some cells better than others? Yeah. Uh, so that's actually a very good question. So um, because one would expect this to happen. <laughs> um, so we have we performed these these experiments on on HeLa cells simply because yeah, it's it's kind of the, the standard cell in our laboratory that we use on a daily basis. And so what we could see there is that, of course, one would expect that they that cells are growing during the cell cycle, starting from GUG, G1, where they are smallest, and then they grow, grow, grow. And there we actually see um, yeah, differences in raw signal. So the raw signal is increasing across the cell cycle stage, yeah, which correlates with the cell size and the total protein amount a cell offers. We also tested these these measurements for other cell, uh, cell lines, and this also works very well. And yes, we are also currently looking into into other applications for for tissue pro, uh, proteomes. So for example, we are also cells vary in their size. Okay, uh, thank you. And we have a question here for for Oliver. Is there any way in the software to calculate the percentage of occupancy of a specific PTM? To understand if a specific phosphocyte is, for instance, 100%, 50%, or 10% phosphorylated? Yeah, uh, very good and legitimate question. We had this on our radar. However, it's a bit more complicated because you basically need to, to compare two, two different experiments against each other, phosphor-enriched or in the phosphor-enriched experiment. And currently, the mechanic of combining two experiments in SpecNaut into one post-analysis is not there yet. But we do have it on our wish list for, for SpecNote 16, and we hope we, we can work and improve the PTM workflow further in this direction. Okay, thank you. And for Oliver, uh, sorry, for Andreas, we have another question here. So what is the lowest number of cells needed for accurate or reliable quantification? Um, so in, uh, this user gives an example for uh, around 100 cells per, per condition. Yeah, so it's, it's literally one cell. I mean, like, so you are comparing one cell against, against the other. And I mean, like, so the more, the more cells, the more cells you have for, I mean, like every cell is unique in its makeup, right? And this is also what we see. Of course, there are, there, there are cells which, which are, extremely similar but there are also cells which even within these uh, within the same cell cycle stage that they are quite heterogeneous and this was really cool to see because this is um, what you would actually miss completely in a bulk experiment right yeah this could could be an answer to this hopefully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you yeah I, I guess it's hard to build like yeah hard to just get on board with uh, single cell polyomics right because it's seems like such a big step 
And yeah, so I have a question here for, for Oliver. So is there uh, any new features regarding batch variation correction in the new Spectronaut? And will you consider that in future releases? Oh, and again, another one where I have to disappoint. No, currently we don't have uh, batch correction in, in Spectronaut 15, primarily because there are a lot of different flavors of doing it. And we haven't really figured out yet what the if we cannot, we cannot implement every possible possibility. So we leave it right now up to the user to, to who knows his samples best to know how to, to perform batch correction. But it's also something that we have on our radar for future releases as well. Yeah, that would be the answer to that. Okay, thank you. I have one for Andreas here. So what kind of samples tissue types have you analyzed so far? Only FFPE tissue or also, for instance, snap frozen tissue? Yeah, so for now it's only only so for for the single cell workflow we were only working on cell cultures and we are moving slowly into fresh frozen tissues. Um, it looks okay so far. For the deep visual proteomics workflow, we use FFPE tissue. Okay, thank you. And uh, here's a question for for Oliver. So. Is passive more beneficial for direct DIA or for the library-based approach? And what differences in IDs can you observe Spectrum 14 to 15? Good question. So what you will definitely see is that the, the jump between Spectrum 14 and Spectrum 15 is bigger now with for direct DA, where, where we had more different aspects where we could improve the pipeline. For the library-based analysis, we also made significant improvements, not as drastic as for direct DA, but still in the range of, of 10 to 15% compared to spec 14. And in general, we can, you can, I forgot what I wanted to say now. Uh, no, yeah, so we, you see, you definitely see improvements in, in both workflows and especially with the new iMobility prediction that we have to the library generation where you can now use um, libraries that were acquired on different instruments that are not iMobility capable. Yeah, so the, you can uh, expect an improvement for direct, for, for, the Timstoff data of around uh, 15 to 20% for library-based and about, we saw consistently up to 30% for direct DA in terms of improvements. I guess there's uh, another question that's related to this. So how do results of DIA analysis differ if you use this empirical or empirical I-mobility versus the in silico generated uh, I-mobility? Um, I would have to think about the, that is, uh, we also see, so if it, it makes a huge difference if you don't have any eye mobility, obviously, uh, annotation in your library. Obviously, the, the empirical is preferential. That one will always be more accurate, but it is a good, the, the predicted eye mobility is very much on par with the, with the empirical eye mobility and gives you very similar results if you have if you happen to have uh, no access to library generation from a, from a passive instrument, it's a good alternative, I would say. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.